Welcome back to the Can I Kick It podcast. I am your host, Nico, joined, as always, with my co-host, Jared. Jared, it's good to be back. It is. I know it feels like it's been two months, and I know my. I know you guys can't see me, but my, my haircut looks like it's been two months. Uh, it's actually been four, thank you for asking. No, I'm not homeless. Um, but I'm doing yeah. good. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to be back, buddy. I'm happy to be back. It's good to be back. It's been probably over a month since we last did a podcast. To be fair, there was an international break in there. There was Thanksgiving. Um, we, we forgot to post the podcast, maybe. We got locked out of our SoundCloud account. Theoretically, this podcast might not see the light of day if we don't figure out our SoundCloud issue. Um, but it's good to be back. Uh, there's also a dash of laziness between Jared and I, but our jobs have kind of really picked up. So uh, we do want to apologize for the break in podcast. But we're back. We're going to get some momentum, get some mojo. We're going to try to get two pods in this week, one before the Champions League, as well as recapping uh, the past weekend. And we're going to dive into the ESPN 100 list, which one of us is extremely furious about. The other is only mildly furious about. Um, And then we'll get another one recapping this week's Champions League action as well as previewing the weekend, including the Manchester Derby. Um, but let's dive right into what was the game of the weekend, or what was supposed to be the game of the weekend, was the North London Derby. Spurs 2, Arsenal 0. It feels more like Spurs 2, Arsenal negative 1, if you could possibly score negative points into in a soccer game. Um, I mean, you have to start here with Arsenal, which sounds a little crazy considering that Spurs just beat Arsenal and now they're top of the league, or stay top of the league. But... I mean, it's so many questions, so many issues. There's no easy fix. I mean, you could count the the, the number of issues on probably two hands. Um, what's your take on this team? I know you've never really been a huge Arteta guy. I'm the opposite uh, and still am. But I, I kind of want to hear about the state of Arsenal coming from you. Um, so I don't, I don't think they're a 15th place team. I, that, that's where they sit, right? I know they were 15th the other day, but they didn't move up or down. Regardless, we'll assume they're 15th. We'll assume I'm right. They are 15th after Brighton didn't win. I was going to say, we'll, we'll assume I'm right. I'm usually right. Um, but I, they're not a 15th place team, but they're not a top six team. Not even close. I, I, There's a lot of people out there. I've been watching a lot of Arsenal fan TV. It's been very funny. Um but I've been, you know, a lot of people are saying the players aren't good enough, and I'm just, I'm not sold on that. I, I think the manager is more the problem than the players. I think you can't tell me Aubameyang's not good enough. I know he hasn't scored, but he, he is a good enough player. Like he should be performing better. It's on the manager to get the most out of him. He's clearly the way they play is just so dull. They have so many fun players. They should theoretically be a very fun team. And they're just not. It's just not fun watching them. It, it just isn't. Even in, you know, even if you're tuning in for the misery, it's like it, they just they cycle the ball endlessly. And you said, you know, you said something about it this weekend that was really good. I don't remember exactly what it was, so I'll let you speak. But I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's more the manager than the players. Obviously, you know, you can't be starting. It's not his fault that he's starting Jaka because you know they don't have a ton of midfielders better than him. Um, but the team selection just feels wrong every time they're out there. The, uh, the system is just boring and lethargic. And again, they're in 15th. So uh, what, what do you think about it? Cause you had some good takes this weekend. I, I, I have some things I agree. I have some things I disagree. This team's not a top six team. I mean, that could change. Right. I mean, that can change with only a few games if they can swing it around because you're right. They have the players. There is, I think, 
a role issue within Arsenal. And I'll never understand how certain players aren't playing a certain role. It blows my mind that Willian is a, is a consistent starter for this team. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. He's not the same Willian. Uh, you have players that will likely be able to slot in and play instead of him, right? Shaka, uh, again, another one. I don't see why he sees the team, especially pairing him with Partey. I don't see how you think you can have some sort of creative midfield uh, if you're going to pair those two together. And then you don't start Ceballos as well. And I think that it was pretty evident quickly that Ceballos was needed to break down Spurs' low block. Spurs just sat there. They said, you guys can have the ball. We're going to just have you swing the ball around and force you to cross, which a lot of teams similarly do to Pep Guardiola, uh, not letting them break them down centrally and cutting in with a penetrating ball that breaks those lines. I think Ceballos is the guy that does that, and I think he, he eventually did bring Ceballos on, but it was just too late. I mean, there's just no spark in this team. I don't get why you don't play guys like Eddie and Ketia, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, um, El Nenny as well. Like if it, I just don't, there's so many questionable decisions that Arteta's making. But that being said, we've seen this team play really well, and we've seen this team play really well under Arteta. It's still fresh. It hasn't been a full year. We're almost there. Um, and I think this team has a lot of potential, but it comes down to picking the right players and and being able to adapt to, to teams you're playing against. I don't see how Arteta didn't see what was coming from the Spurs team. We all knew it was coming. How could he have not seen exactly what was coming? It's not like Mourinho's playbook is hidden and dusty in a, in a somewhere. So it's not a simple thing. It's not going to be an easy fix. They're going to have to go and get players. To me, it starts with the team selection. And I think, and to, to finish, Aubameyang shouldn't start. You need to bench him at one point. Williams shouldn't be starting. And you can't pair Shaka and party. You're never going to get... They're just all starters. You just can't get anywhere with them. So I actually want to disagree with benching Aubameyang. I think... Listen, I watch... Obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan. Jurgen Klopp, when, it, when his players are struggling, he doesn't tend to bench them. He lets them play through it, and he, tr- and he adjusts the system almost to help them get back into it while keeping a winning formula. Listen, not every manager in the world can do that. He's a top two or three manager on the planet, depending on who you are. Possibly one. Pos- definitely one, in my eyes, <laughs> if, you ha- if you ask me. But listen, it, it, I think he's got to play him through it, but I think he just has... I think he has to change the system up more than anything. I think he has to change the system up. If he pulls a Bamiyang, like, great, but I don't see any way that whoever he plugs in is going to help given the way that they set themselves up. So I I disagree with that. I think he needs to change the system. That's that's my, you know, that's my take on that. Yeah, and it's hard because he's clearly getting old. And I think you have to use him in the right way for him to be effective. You can't necessarily trot him out there and expect him to consistently beat guys or get in behind and get one-on-ones with the goalie like he does so well. That clearly isn't going to happen as much as possible. So what are you going to do to surround him with the guys that will allow that to happen? And I'm slowly thinking that if you're going to put him and Lacazette in there and one of them doesn't stay more wide preferably Aubameyang because I guess that's what he used to be able to do but now he can't because he's kind of he's aging and he can't do that for a full game I think Arteta has some decisions to make with his team like I think it just starts with the team I, I don't know what the answers are right though like I'm not really sure but you could just tell that the team needed a spark plug it needed something and We'll have to see. I mean, it's Aubameyang is going to have to start scoring goals if he's going to keep playing, though, right? Like he's going to have to start creating chances. He's going to have to start being the end, getting on the end of those chances, uh, as well. Right, but he's not being put in position mm-hmm. to be able to, to you know, put balls in the back of the net at a at a golden boot pace like he's done for the past two or three years. I think that's fair. And maybe that comes down to, like, they don't have their Ozil anymore. And it's not like Ozil was the only guy. It's not like he was the De Bruyne of the team. But he's some sort of creative spark. He can make a play with his feet. And I right. guess that's what Ceballos can do. But, like, they're just, I guess they're just missing that guy to enable those great players going forward to, to be great. Right. And I, my whole thing with Aubameyang is just he he doesn't look washed. Yeah. Like, even, even at... 
you know, even getting into his 30s, he's he doesn't look like he's lost a step. He doesn't look like he's slowed down. His finishing touch is, is I think it's still there. I mean, he's just not being given the correct opportunity to do it. And I I think that's more what it is. And I think if they change things up a little bit, it's going to, I mean, it's going to open up for him. I mean, Brighton was theoretically a perfect, Brighton will, Brighton, they didn't play Brighton. I'm sorry. I was thinking about the Brighton game today. But <laughs> like a team like Brighton, for example, would be a perfect team to play against because they can play open and he can just get in behind through defenders like Lewis Dunk. I mean, they just part of it is the right opponent. Part of it is the manager. And part of it is definitely a bombing on him. Listen, it's not all on Arteta, but mm-hmm. I, I think he needs to be put in the right position. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I think that's. I think that's very fair. Um, and then to to get to Spurs, uh, I mean, is is this team legit? I I tweeted out like I think this team is legit, right? But I'm not scared of Spurs right now. Um, I mean, yeah, of course they beat City, right? And now they beat Arsenal, and they've and they've played really well. But talk to me when you're when you're 20 games played and you have a substantial lead. Theoretically, they're only on top because of goal differential. United and City have a game in hand that will put them within a sniff of Spurs. Uh, This is by no means a substantial lead like we've seen over the last few years, right? Where we've kind of can narrow it, almost narrow it down at at this point between one or two teams. Uh, But listen, credit credit is due to Mourinho and this team for buying into what he's wanted to do and changing their identity a little bit. And I think we're obviously seeing Harry Kane and Hyungman Sun absolutely relish kind of their new roles of uh, hitting these good teams on the counter and, and just like a, like a lightning approach, I guess. So I want to ask you something. I didn't put it on, I didn't put it on the agenda specifically to hit you with this question because I'm interested to see your answer. Finish the sentence. Harry Kane and Hyungman Sun are the best duo since blank in the Premier League. Your opinion. This is not like a, a statistical thing. Can I ask a follow-up question to that to be more specific? Of course. And, and you can de- you can define like two forwards. Two forwards. We're not doing center backs, but you could do a midfielder and a forward. You know, you could do like Gerard Torres. I mean, you know, whatever you're thinking. Mane and Salah from the last few years. So I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that far off. Um, I would have said Aguero and David Silva, right? Theoretically, um, as well. But um, I, listen, they're unbelievable. But I, I, it's not like they're creating a ton of chances together. Which is not doesn't take away from what they do. What they do brilliantly is they take advantage of the chances that they get, and they complement each other very well. My only concern is is when teams start to figure it out, you don't have the volume of chances that they're going to create. Is it going to be sustainable? Um, so we'll have to see when teams start opening the game up against Spurs. But listen, they're a great duo. It's unbelievable what they're doing. I, but then again, like, look at Salah and Mane for the last few years, dude. Like, look at, I mean, you could say Aguero and Sterling, like, in what, 17, 18, or 18, 19, Sterling led the world or was behind Messi only in goals plus assists in all competitions, right? Like, and then you have, so it's like, there's a lot of options there. So it's a tough question because I don't think they're better than, I, don't, I certainly don't think they're better than Salah and Mane have been. Um, even though they're not technically a partnership. So I guess it's a tough question, but they are, they're inching towards some pretty legendary territory if they can keep these numbers up. Yeah. What would you say? I would say that I would, I would not say Mane and Salah yet. I would 1 billion percent in a month, let's say, if they keep it up at this rate, I would 100% say yes, that, that they're at that level, you know, through half a season. Sure. I'll, I'll give it to them. Yeah. They're they're incredibly dangerous and it's not unsustainable. What they do is not unsustainable. I know you're concerned a little bit about you know how many shots a game they get off or you know the way that they play, but they're just you know it's almost like they just they're telepathic 
when they get in the box. They ju- they just are. And obviously, Sun's goal was not <laughs> was very much not in the box. But they just they play so well off of each other. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's great to see. It really it really is. So I'm worried about Spurs. I think this stretch for them is gonna do. I think this is the make or break right now. Um, I, I think we're hitting that time where it's kind of, you know, now we're in you know we're in Christmas season, where not only can you come off at the end of this, but where does everybody else come off? You know, who right. who else drops points if they do drop points? You know, Leicester might not drop too many points, but the thing is, you know, they play on the 16th, they play Liverpool, then they turn around on the 20th, they play Leicester, and then. A week later, they play Wolves after an EF after the EFL Cup quarterfinal in midweek. I mean, they they have a tough schedule coming up. So, if they can hold on to it through the new year, I I think they might do it. Then we can talk. Yeah, then, then we can then talk. We, then we then we can talk. But they should that should not like diminish people from being from you know Tottenham fans and being like, oh, this is amazing. Like, we're gonna win it this year. They they've not given you a single reason not to believe that they're gonna win it this year. I will say this, though, that is concerning as well. Adding on the whole schedule argument, here's their run of games. Here's Liverpool's run of games. Fulham, Spurs, Palace, West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley. I mean, it should be almost a just... They shouldn't run into too much trouble there. Uh, You look at Man City, they have United, West Brom, Southampton, Newcastle. To, and then Everton to close the year. A little bit harder, but still, both easier run-ins than Spurs will likely have. Um, and we'll just kind of have to see what develops. I think you're right. I think come the new year, we're going to have a better picture of, of what the Spurs team can be. Um, rounding out this weekend's Premier League games really quickly, Burnley 1, Everton 1, Man City 2, Fulham 0, Man United come back a bit, right? Because I think they were they went down first. Uh, the Pogba wonder strike come back 3-1. Chelsea do a number on Leeds. Christian Pulisic getting a goal at the very end of that one. Uh, Palace 5, West Brom 1 with the help of a red card from West Brom. But listen, when Zaha's back in the lineup, you got to expect a lot out of Palace there. Leicester 2, Sheffield 1 with a last-minute goal from Vardy. Thank God that would have been a pretty tough result. Uh, obviously, North London Derby, 2-0. Liverpool, very important impressive against wolves let's not look past that as if it's nothing that wolves team knows how to be very stout hard to break down you don't win for nothing against wolves um and i don't think that liverpool yes i'm gonna say this i don't think liverpool's getting enough credit for what they're doing right now in the league um we all thought they were gonna slip on a banana peel or get hit with a blue shell uh nice mario kart reference nico um, and they just haven't. They and eventually, I, I think it will peter out, and they're going to run in and slip up eventually, like all teams do. Um, but right now, man, this is all credit due to Klopp for for keeping this team together. After, I mean, you think about it. Tiago's out for another month or so. Toast, uh, Gomez, toast. I mean, this is these aren't these aren't just tough losses on the field. Mentally, for these players, you're losing leaders in the locker room. You're losing uh, experienced guys. I know you want to touch on that. Just really quickly, I'm just the one thing that I'm most interested to see. You know, they didn't, they didn't exactly show up. You know, obviously they beat the tar out of Wolves, but you know they didn't show up against Brighton the week before. Um, so it's not that I don't trust them. It's not that they haven't earned my trust. It's just I still hope that they're aggressive in the winter transfer market uh, for a center back because just because Reese Williams and you know, and the kids are all playing pretty well at the back does not mean you should, you know, rest on your laurels a little bit. I know you want to believe in them. I know you want to get them games. You don't have to bring in two, you know, world-renowned center backs or even one, but you need insurance and they need another body back there. So yeah, I hope that's how they play it. We'll see. And really the most important thing for them, truthfully, watching, you know, moving forward is, is Jeannie Wijnaldum's contract. They I've been a harsh critic. He can't walk. He can't walk can't. for free. Too he, important. He cannot walk for free. He's so important to this team. He's so important in the dressing room. Klopp adores him. I'm sure it will get done. I. It's just he's. It's not done. <laughs> you know. It's, it's hard to believe it wouldn't, though, man. I really right. find it hard I to believe. I and part of me it. thinking that. 
and and part of me thinking that though we don't have much news or word on it means that they're not worried about getting it done. You know, there's no rumors circulating. He's saying talk to the club. You know, right? Like if he was like, I don't know, we'll see what the future holds. Then it's like, okay, this might be a little weird. I don't even think you, as a Liverpool fan, I don't think you should worry about it. Um, but I will say this. Since Virgil van Dijk tore his ACL, they've only dropped points twice in the league. One was the uh, City draw. The other was the Brighton draw. Other than that, they've won the rest of their games in the league. So, listen, man, that's impressive. It's better than I would have expected. Um, and then uh, Southampton 2, Brighton 1 today uh, on Monday. Any other notable results from a around the world Bayern Munich 3 Leipzig 3 shit fest of no defending very exciting game uh two exciting teams uh but if they play like that in the Champions League and there's a big week coming up for one of those teams um it's going to be tough to see that happen uh Juventus 2 Torino 1 in the Turin derby Weston McKennie getting a goal there you're about to see a quite common theme coming up folks um Borussia Dortmund won Frankfurt one Gio Reyna with the equalizing blast on that one. Um, and am I missing one more American goal? Or is that it? Pulisic, Reyna, McKenney. I think that's them all. I think, I think that's, that's probably there it. Might have been, probably there might have been missing one. one. Oh, uh, nah, I, I forget his name. <laughs> Look at us, his, folks. You're witnessing... I, I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset because I know there is one more. There I is. know there's one more. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna give ourselves five gonna... seconds to figure it out. And it's gone. Oh. Yeah, it's gone. Whatever. America. Oh, oh, um, oh, wait, Jared got it. Jared got it. Richie Ledesma. Yes, there Richie. we go. Richie there Ledesma is. getting a. a Equalizer. Equalizer. Equalizer for PSV. Well, then, there you go. Um, so, big, big, big weekend for Americans. And Alex Morgan got her first goal for Spurs as well. So, shout out to her. Um, in other news in the Premier League, the fans are back. And, wow, I did not realize that two, three, four thousand fans in a Premier League stadium could make that much of a difference. Um, and they did. I don't know what the numbers were on like how well home teams did with fans compared to no fans, but e- either way, you could tell there was just a different juice, a different energy in the stadium, uh, and the greatest combination ever was the lack of fake crowd noise mixed in with a good enough amount of the crowd noise that was there, as well as being able to still hear the players, the managers. It was a perfect combination there uh, and a good way to kind of start to ease our way back uh, into a little bit of normalcy in that front. Uh, Give us your thoughts there. No, you said it perfectly. Um, It was, you know, it was great to hear the fans. Great to have them there. Um, Obviously we wish we could have more, but please do it safely and respectfully. We'll get there promise he will get there um but like you said it was awesome to hear the crowd noise and also still be able to hear the communication because i i i feel like it was i liked the fake crowd noise to be to be truthful i thought it was i thought it was funny knowing that it was fake um and just seeing the mistakes they would make listen like we all the delay right the delay like listen what's what's different between that and having a crowd full of fans and looking at distracting fans in the crowd who are making ridiculous gestures you know it's a there's there's no different like it's it's just Uh, i disagree man i I, listen i know it's i know it's better looking at that stuff it's not even that i I couldn't stand the crowd no the fake crowd noise um mostly because the actual crowd noise that was happening when nothing was really happening it just sounded like a recording of like a middle school hallway between periods. It was almost like a white noise. There wasn't as much like chanting or like, it just felt like it was just, they just pumped in like an underlying white noise, which I understand, but it just, it almost made it even more obvious that there weren't fans in there sometimes. But listen, this is like so inconsequential because the fans are starting to come back and it feels good. Right. It, it Exactly. But rest in peace, fake crowd noise. I will miss you. Most people won't, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, huge news that came out this week. Uh, 
Pogba wants out. Um, I'm going to let you go because I do have an interesting take about this um, and and Mino Raiola in general. But I want to hear your thoughts about Pogba, or shall I say Mino Raiola, his, his superstar agent, um, came out and said that he's, he's done with Manchester United. I think it was... I, I think this is hilarious that every single summer, every single winter, he's the biggest storyline because obviously he's... Very, very good. He gets treated, he gets talked about like he is the best player on the planet constantly. And it bothers the hell out of me. He's a damn good midfielder. That's about it. There's a lot of damn good midfielders out there. And I don't, listen, he's clearly unhappy there. He's trying to force a move. He's not the first player. He won't be the last. And he gets a lot more, you know, a lot more attention when this stuff happens than most other players. You know, that, that comes with, you know, that comes with the price of sort of fame. He is, you know, he's one of the most recognizable soccer players on the planet, but it's ridiculous how much attention this gets every year. It's just really funny that this is happening now, the week before Manchester Derby, the day before they're the biggest Champions League game of the year for them. Uh, so I don't. It, it's just it's ridiculous. But what what are your thoughts? I hope I hope he gets out. I hope he leaves, and I hope you know. Honestly, I could just see it being like a Gareth Bale to Real Madrid situation all over again. <laughs> I this is so textbook Raiola, it's not even funny. Um of course he was gonna do this. I I don't know what the time I can't explain the timing, the specific timing. You always knew he was gonna do it in in December to spike up the rumors in January, and then when he doesn't go in January, the summer is gonna be pog book, pog book, pog book, pog Mino Raiola does to his players. He claims they won out does a big expose like he does he's done with Pog- he's done this with Pogba before the length of it uh, the like you said the interview that's supposed to come out this week i don't think that's been done as much but this is just classic Raiola. he always is like Pogba's not happy or but then three months later he'll be like Pogba's not going anywhere or so he's just trying to kick up dirt get attention to his client so in order that they can both just get a payday and you know what that's the way the game goes. So, of course, he's going to try to do that. Um, in terms of the actual move, I originally wanted him to replace Torre at City. Um, that didn't happen. Went to United. Really pissed me off. I've never hated Pogba. I've always loved him as a midfielder, and I actually like him as a person. I think he's an unbelievable person. I think he's an unbelievable leader. I think that he's been mischaracterized for a long time. I think it's been very unfair for him. Correct. As, I want, the, I want well. that on the. I want that on the record as well. That's he's been he has been made a villain of his own story, and it's not fair what's been done to him in the media. Anyways, continue. I, because I wanted... it's the complete opposite. The things he's done for his family, the things he's done for every team he's been on. I mean, you look at the French team. He was the heart of that team. You look at that, that the they, there's a video of him pumping up the team before the world cup final that you have to see and if you look at everyone's eyes in that video they are just darts at him and they are ready to go and that's who he is and i think it's really frustrating to see his career turn into something completely different um with that being said i mean he could go to any big club in the world if he wants i mean it Teams are going to be lining up for him because he's good. He's damn good. The price tag is going to be low, and someone's going to get a bargain for him. It's just kind of in what what I think is going to happen. Um, so we'll see. Um, but that's that's kind of textbook. I'm now going to hand it over to you. I don't know if you we expected for you to, to run this part, but you absolutely uh, the first thing you messaged me the day this came out was about this and details about this. Uh, so take it away. Okay, so I, I don't know if you heard, um, but there was a, a list that came out called the ESPN 100. And they ranked, um, rather than rank the top 100 footballers, which I get. I like, get well, like one would have assumed with a top one, uh, 100 ranking, but go ahead. That is, that is correct. It was not the ESPN 10 by 10. Had they said it was like a 10 by 10, that would have, you know, that would have been more sufficient. Made a lot more sense. Yeah. It was the top 10 for, you know, their top 10 for every position. Um, it made me mad. It it made me really, it it really annoyed me. Um, and I, I know that was partially the intent is to do that. And it did exactly that. There were some things that were just 
so egregious. I just I, I was seething for a while on this. So, you know, I'll I'll introduce it. I know you have your gripes as well. So I'll start us off. Um, the top ten goalkeepers. Uh, again, they did the top ten for every position. Um, but my first gripe even comes before that. I'm sorry. They did two positions called forward and striker, but they also had a winger position. So I, I, I make it make sense, Jared. I can't. I I can't. I can't make it make sense. I mean, I know you had to get to a hundred, and that's obviously why you include the managers. But can't you just take one out and and it, it just take one of those positions out and just add? I, I don't know. Oh, it was just. Did we do clear, the math right? It was right? clearly a move so they didn't have to say Robert Lewandowski is better than Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. I know that. I know that, and that's why they did it. So I, I just want. I want that on paper. Um, that it, that that's the reason why they that, did that. It was political. Uh, they could have done the ESPN 90. Could have done that. Decided done not that. to. No, in fact, 90 would have been pretty cool because there's 90 minutes in a soccer game. Exactly. Uh, look at we're ESPN hire us. Um, okay. No, so, actually, I'll pass. <laughs> right, you'll you'll pass. I don't blame you. So, so without further ado, let's get to the list. Um, the top ten goalkeepers. So number ten, David De Gea. Number nine, Samir Handanovic. Eight, uh, Gigi Donnarumma. Seven, Kaylor Navas. Eight, Ederson. Five, Thibaut Courtois. Four, Marc Andre Ter Stegen. Three, Jan Oblak. Two, Allison. One, Manuel Neuer. Okay. I'll let you start. I'll, yeah. I'll let you start. What, what are your takes on this top 10? I'll take it and I'll, and I'll make it quick here. Ederson being at six infuriated me. Um, not only as a City fan, I'm, so I'm a little biased. I'm not going to lie there. But he is top three, in my opinion. Maybe four. I mean, I would have totally get four. Um, Donnarumma being on there, I understand. But I think that's weighing a lot on potential. is a great goalkeeper. But he hasn't done much to make eight on this list in my opinion um courtois being ahead of ederson that's complete and utter blasphemy i don't think that that's even remotely legitimate mark andre ter stegen deserves better than four and there's no way in hell manuel newer is the best goalkeeper on earth right now i will refuse to believe that i think both allison and oblak are better than him and i would even maybe say andre ter stegen is better than manuel newer these are all takes of course but the, these are my opinions, and I, I just think that they don't. I don't understand where they were coming from with a lot of the, the goalkeeper list. To be honest with you, yeah, you you've nailed it. You knocked it out of the park. Um, I have some disagreements with you, but um, Donnarumma, I get why he's on the list, and I think I think part of it is has to do with AC Milan's success this season. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, for now, obviously. Um, I I can't believe we're still doing. The, the Courtois is better than... Uh, I can't believe we're pretending that Courtois is better than Kaylor Navas. Still. He's never once been really still, better than he is not. He has not for one minute of his entire career been be- <clears throat> better, better keeper than Kaylor Navas. I just choked on air for the, for a second. That was weird. That's how uh, mad you are. That's how mad I am. I'm literally breathing fire. Uh, so, so no. Courtois is not better than Ederson, and he's damn sure not better than Navas. I don't have Ederson in my top three. I have him at five. Um, and I have Ter, I have Ter Stegen at four, Neuer at three, Allison at two, and Oblak at one. Oblak's the best keeper on the planet. I just He blows my mind every single time I watch him play. Has been for a while, too. Has been, has been for a while, too. It's been him and Allison. You can go back and forth. I really don't care which one you pick. Yep. It's not... It's not a competition, but the, the two of them are head and shoulders above Manuel Neuer at this point in his career. I would put Neuer at three. I get putting him at four. I think Ter Stegen deserves a lot more credit than he's been given. Um, you know, the political fact that Neuer is still the number one for Germany's team, you know, again, it's a political thing. A lot of players have stood by him and said, if you replace him, we'll walk. Um, so I'm not, uh, whatever, not a big, not a big deal. But not the most mad that this list has made me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Should we just go off? Should we trade each position? Literally, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. We'll go back and forth. We'll go back and forth. You take right back. Right back. Uh, number ten <clears throat> from the United States, Serginho Dest. Um, first of all, 
Fuck yeah. Um, number nine, Kieran Trippier. Number eight, Ricardo Pereira. Seven, Hans Hadebor. Six, Jesus Navas. Five, Kyle Walker. Four, Danny Carvajal. Three, Benjamin Pavard. Two, Atraf Hakimi. And number one, very probably far ahead, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, Trent's number one. Um, <sighs> I don't have too many issues with this portion of the list. Um, none, none to make me mad enough. You know, I don't think Kieran Trippier is a top 10. I don't, uh, Dest, I'm happy that he's in there. I'm not sure he deserves it yet. I, yet, I think, I think, I think, right. I think he will be on this list. Absolutely. At some point. And the fact that he's regularly starting for Barcelona at a lot of big games tells you that he's probably going to be on this list and deservedly. So I just don't think it's deserved yet. He's also the youngest on this list, from my understanding. Correct. Uh, yeah, he is. Younger than Trent. Um, Jesus Navas, I don't think, is sixth. I get putting him in the top ten. Sure. No problems with it. Just not... That I has a lot of, like, most improved vibes, how he's kind of, like, revitalized his career at, a, at another position. So I think right. he deserves to be on maybe the list, but to put him at six is a lot. Right. Um, he's overachieved, and his overachievement put him on this list. But it, it, he deserves to be top ten, considering what him and Sevilla have done. Sure. Um, I think Hadabor. Did I get that right? I think he deserves a little bit more. I, I think he honestly might be better than Kyle Walker. I think you can, you know, switch it back and forth. That's fine with me. I think he's fifth, and I I have no problem with anything else. I. My one, my one gripe with this is that I wanted to put Kimmich in the right back and center midfield conversation. I was really put upset. him at every position. I was really upset they didn't do that. I wanted it to be the FIFA 90, uh, the, the ESPN 99 <laughs> at both spots because he's the second best left back in the world and he's the best midfielder in the world. So. Unreal. Unreal. Anyways, go, go ahead. Um, I want to say Ricardo Pereira deserves to be uh, better on this list, but of course the injury changes a lot i think it's even a testament to the fact that he hasn't even played this year and, and didn't even play i think towards the end of last year for a bit um and still is eighth on this list uh i don't think kieran trippier deserves to be on this list again i don't know if i could off the top of my head tell you who he deserves to be replaced by i don't know i mean there's probably a couple i don't feel like going through that that brain power right now um donnie carvajal seems a little high for me i actually would like kyle walker to be a little higher than him hadabor also deserves to be higher than jesus navas in my opinion um i think kyle walker is a great right back but he is too inconsistent at times and makes a lot of mistakes um and i think one two and three make a lot of sense and you could even put benjamin pavard as like a not right back like he sometimes plays in a right center back back three like he sometimes gets really forward even plays a winger i mean that's just part of that Bayern team being able to just kind of do whatever the hell they want um uh so i mean it's it's uh i don't think this list is the end of the world but there are a couple peculiar choices i would say yeah um, all right, so we're running short on time, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit quickly here. Um, we'll just make quick points about this. Um, center backs, top ten, ten Marquinhos, d- disgustingly low. I'm mad, I'm furious about that. Um, Kunde, if I got that right, you know, for Sevilla, France, nine, sure, put him there. That's fine. Uh, Delict at eight, wrong, just wrong, <laughs> wrong. Seven, Emeric Laporte, furious about how low he is on this list. I know you are too. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't help it. Six, Varane. Five, Upamecano. I have him higher, but I'll get to that. Four, Koulibaly. Three, Alaba. Two, Sergio Ramos. One, Virgil van Dijk. No problem with van Dijk at one, even with the ACL injury. We'll see how he is when he comes back, but right now, absolutely. Sergio Ramos is not the second best center back in the world. I get he's not the second best center back in the world in two, in 2020. I'm sorry. I have Alaba, Koulibaly, Upamecano, and Laporte all better. I'm sorry. I know it's disrespectful a little bit, but that's that's where I stand. So those were my gripes with that part of the list. What about you? I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial. I don't know if Sergio Ramos deserves to be on this list. I also don't know if Rafael Varane deserves to be on this list. To be completely honest with you, are they both very talented? Actually, are, are one is one of them very talented? Oh, yeah, I think Varane's very talented. 
very prone to mistakes. I think he's had a very bad stretch of form. Ramos has passed his time. I think we've all kind of uh, accepted that. Doesn't mean he's not good, okay? But in 2020, putting him at number two is essentially saying, well, he's been great for 12 years, so why not put him on there now? Just not how this list should work. Everything else in that top five is perfect. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. I mean... Van Dyke shouldn't even there shouldn't even be he should be zero um, if it was even possible. Love Alaba, Koulibaly, Ubamakano, uh, Laporte should be ahead of Varane and Ramos. Uh, Delit, <laughs> uh, Kounde gets the respect that he deserves. This is something that I think he deserves. And Marquinhos, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's just ridiculous. I don't I don't like that at all. Um, that's a little disrespectful. But um, we'll. we'll uh, it's not the end of the world. I'll shake it off. Um, but yeah, that's 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 the center back list. It's my turn, correct? Yep. Left back, Ferlin Mendy, 10. <laughs> Sorry. Marcelo, 9. Um, ben Chilwell, 8. Tio Hernandez, 7. Sergio Reguilon, 6. Guerrero, 5. Alexandro, 4. Jordi Alba, 3. Alfonso Davies, 2. Andy Robertson, 1. Go. Uh, go just all my takes. Okay, Marcelo's far and away better than the ninth left back in the world. I'm sorry. I also think it's hilarious that t- I know that pissed you off. I know that made you mad. I can I can see it in your face. I don't care. I believe it. I I, I still I still believe it. Uh, <laughs> uh six. I don't have I don't have a ton of issues with the left. Meet me outside position. after this podcast. Of course. I don't have a ton of problems with this with the, with this you know this portion i think marcelo is better than the ninth left back in the world and i can't believe they put two left backs on the same team i'm sorry that was really funny that was really funny of them that was unreal the right unreal the and they couldn't put Kevin into two spots unreal <laughs> man you have literally two left backs on the same team it doesn't work like that if it was like center mids, yes, understood. But like that's not how this works. Like the Buick oh. commercial, it's just not how any of this works. That was one. That was wonderful. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Get Marcelo off this list. Get him off. I understand. Out. I understand. Out. If you've watched him play over the last in 2020 at all, does not deserve to be on here. Is he one of the best at his position maybe ever? And he recreated the position in many ways. Is he one of the most technically talented outside backs we've ever seen? Yes. But this is a list for 2020. He has played, he's had some very shocking games, and you've seen his record when he plays this year. It's not good. And in my opinion, the reason why they put two on the same team should be an indictment on one of them, and I think that one of them is Marcelo. Uh, The rest of the list checks out pretty well, if I were to be completely honest with you. Um, Regulon getting a lot of respect there. Guerrero getting a lot of respect. Sandro, one of the most underrated players uh, in the world, in my opinion. Actually, I take that back. Jordi Alba shouldn't even... I don't even know if Jordi Alba should be on this list, to be honest with you, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, maybe towards the end of the list, towards like 8 or 9 or 10. Uh, and then Alfonso Davies, Andy Robertson, choose your fighter. I mean, 1, 2, either one, in my opinion, could have been 1. Either one could have been 2. Um, I, I mean, that's... That's that's what I, I know. You might not like that, right? Uh, but it's it, so it, it's really just funny to me the Marcelo um, Mendy the Marcelo Mendy deal because it's obviously ba- based on their talent, yes. But one would think that it would have to also be based on how they played for their international teams in the last year, and they've and obviously over the last nine months there hasn't really been any. It's been none. So, so the justification just doesn't make sense. No, it, you can't rat. You can't make that make sense. You just it doesn't make any sense. All right, all right. Next position. Uh, we can't even. We're barely out of the yeah. defense. Yeah. Center mid. Uh, ten. Marco Verratti. Nine. Luka Modric. Eight. Frankie De Jong. Seven. Fabinho. Six. Jordan Henderson. Five. N'Golo Kante. Four. Casemiro. Three. Tony Cruz. Two. Thiago. One. Joshua Kimmich. You go first on this. You're gonna hate me. I am. I I I know you're gonna say he Henderson shouldn't be on this list, right? I don't know if he shouldn't be on the list, but six is. That's fine. To put him ahead of Frankie De Jong and Luka Modric and even Marco Verratti is a large insult to to those players, in my opinion. 
Is Henderson good? Absolutely. Is he one of the best role, like a player who serves such a great purpose uh, on a team? Absolutely. He's the heart and soul of a Champions League winning team. Look, the way I'll say it, and I think you'll totally agree with me, is he's a top 10 midfield. I think he's a top six midfielder in the world on Liverpool. If you put him on any other team in the planet, he's not a top 10. He wouldn't make... If you gave like the top okay 10 clubs to admit, in the world, he wouldn't start for anyone. I think it's okay to admit that. I think it's okay to admit that on both sides. And that's true. It's one of the soccer is one of the only sports where it's like if he plays for this team, he could be unbelievable. But you take him anywhere else, it's just not the magic isn't there. So I understand that. Um, this is such. This is the hardest part of any list, and this is where I kind of have some sympathy for these people because choosing the top ten center midfielders in the world in some sort of order is hilariously difficult. Um, so we'll work from one back. Kimmich. I mean, yeah. Uh, Tiago shouldn't be number two. Uh, I'm just going to come out there right now and say that. Is he top five? Absolutely. I think two is a lot, especially if he's barely played since he's gotten to Liverpool. Um, Tony Cruz, Casemiro. Casemiro does not deserve to be in four. Um, again, top ten, yes. But you, these guys could fluctuate in, in any of these any of these spots. N'Golo Conte deserves to be higher than Casemiro, in my opinion. Um, Fabinho. I, I feel like maybe I don't... I don't know enough about Fabinho, but I wouldn't have even considered him for the top 10. Maybe I just, I don't, I haven't I would, watched him enough. I would have told you Fabinho is comfortably the best player on this team, on this Liverpool okay. team right now. I don't know enough about him. I, I guess I That's don't okay. like it's okay. him it's enough, okay. so it's I will okay. 100% take that word as bond. It's okay to admit that. Um, this just blows my mind. 10 is Marco Verratti, 9 is Luka Modric, and 8 is Frankie de Jong. I mean, a 35-year-old Modric is still unbelievable. Frankie de Jong has been slowly getting better and better and better and better, and... Marco Verratti is just so dangerously talented. It's it's pretty unbelievable. And still only 28, which is fucking hilarious. Um, did you go? No, I didn't. I'll just go really quickly. I can't believe Luka Modric is on this list. I, I cannot believe. Really? I cannot believe Luka Modric is on this list. He hasn't uh, been that bad. Just, uh, it's not that he's been that bad. I just, I can't believe it. it I, I guess it makes sense because he's not been Luka Modric we're used to. Correct. Um, I actually have Verratti off this list. I have Verratti off this list. Interesting. I, I have Saul okay, from Atletico like Madrid on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are my only two huge gripes. Uh, you know, I think the order is wrong. I think Fabinho is probably the third best midfielder in the world. I hate that they did. I hate that they didn't do defensive midfield and midfield. He's not a true midfielder. The fact that they did attack and forward, you know what? That's my gripe. That's where it is. It should have been. They should have had a defensive midfield because four of these are defensive midfielders. And there's too many center midfielders that you that they, they, they categorize as center midfielders to put in a ten-person list. Correct. So it's it's absurd. So, anyways, those those are my main gripes. On to attacking midfield. This was where I had my biggest issue. I'm just gonna read these off since I'm talking right now, and I'm and I'm hot. Ten Jack Grealish, nine Hassan Awar, eight Paul Pogba, seven Bernardo Silva, six Kai Havertz, five Leon Goretzka, four Papu Gomez, three Bruno Fernandez, two Thomas Muller, one Kevin De Bruyne. They got one right. I'll give them that. They absolutely got De Bruyne right. Bruno Fernandes is not the third best attacking midfielder in the world. Paul Pogba is not the eighth best attacking midfielder in the world. He's played like six times this year. He, he's played like six times this year. Over James Madison, Jack Grealish deserves, Jack Grealish deserves to be 10. Hassan Awar dragged Olympic Lyon to the Champions League semifinals. Paul Pogba was in the Europa League. Are we serious? <laughs> Dominic Slozabai. Dominic Slozabai. There we it, Well done. Thank you. I, I, I only know it because I buy him in FIFA every single time. <laughs> it, it is, oh, I can't believe he's off this list. The, seething with rage at this. Absolutely seething with rage. Leon Goretzka is too low. I think Kai Havertz at six and Bernardo Silva at seven is fine. I would, f- I understand b- moving Bernardo higher. He just didn't hit the heights that he should have last year. Alwar uh, being nine, just uh, I was so mad at that. He is, he's one of the, he's one of the three best attacking midfielders on the planet right now. That was just ridiculous. So you, you go now. 
I agree that Bruno Fernandes is not deserved to be number three. We can all just move past De Bruyne and even Mueller at two. Um, Goretzka, I think, is perfect. I think Havertz is in there too. But the weird part about Havertz is like he hasn't been that great for Chelsea. Not great enough to be number six in, in the world. This is crazy because he's my guy, but I don't know if Bernardo Silva deserves to be on this list purely because of game time. Uh, from a game time perspective, he's not getting the burn that he's normally used to. Is he a when he's on the field? Is he the, the seventh best midfielder? Yeah, he might even be the fifth or even the fourth. But he was one know. last year. <laughs> he was literally the first last year. He was number one on this list last year. Um, other than I mean, Alwar and Grealish both deserve to be better than nine and ten. Um, and I'm going to use better or worse because I'm confusing myself with higher or lower. Um, but yeah, this list is, I mean, the Bruno Fernandez thing, the numbers of amount of penalty goals, if he didn't score like 80% of those penalty goals, which like realistically, it's just like, let's bring him down to like a normal average or normal amount of goals scored from penalties. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be making that big of a statistical impact. He's an unbelievable midfielder, but three is like a little much, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, this is a this is a, just a tough one. I mean, number one was the easiest they, probably ranking in the world. I think what's crazy is they didn't have Mueller even ranked last year, which like, I mean, that's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wingers, <laughs> Vinicius ten, Hazard nine, Lucas Ocampos eight, Kingsley Coman seven, Christian Pulisic six, Angel Di Maria five, four Jaden Sancho three, Serge Gnabry two, Raheem Sterling one, Sadio Mane. First things first, Angel Di Maria doesn't deserve to be on this list. Um, Kingsley Coman, if he is on the list, if Di Maria is on the list, Coman deserves to be higher. Uh, Ocampos deserves to be higher. Um, Eden Hazard shouldn't even be in the top thirty of wingers. This is embarrassing. The guy has literally fallen off a cliff, and they still put him on this list. Off a cliff and exploded uh, on impact, and they I'm still just, have him on this list. I'm just gonna read my tweet on this because I on this um on this section because I don't think I words can go into how angry I am at how many <laughs> names they missed. In zero universes, is Eden Hazard a better player than Mikhail Yarzabal in 2020? Jota yep. and Traore were better, even for Wolves. Yep. Give Bernadeschi, Bernadeschi Suso, and Chalanolu their damn flowers. Yep. Di Maria is not the fifth best winger on the planet. What are we even doing here? You nailed it. <sighs> Dog. That was that was the that was the worst. That was also what the hell constitutes a winger if like Mo Salah's not not Mo Salah isn't like three or two or one. He's a winger. <laughs> He's what literally we, a winger. Like what are we doing here? Oh man, yeah, it's. I think Pulisic is perfectly rated. Um. So I think that that's that that's that. I think Nabry's <laughs> a little uh, overrated on this list as well. I mean. You take away his, you take away like how well he did against Spurs or how well he did against um, Barcelona uh, and anything like that. He definitely deserves to be on this list. But three, I mean, you're telling me Serge Gnabry's better than Jaden Sancho? I'd smack you in the face. Um, so yeah, I mean, the names you all said that were left off. There's no, there's no excuse. Forwards: Josip Ilicic, ten; Marcus Rashford, nine; Paulo Dybala, eight; Son Heung-min, seven; Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, six; Mo Salah, five; Neymar, four; Ronaldo, three; Mbappe, two; Messi, one. I think we all could have expected the top four there, uh, pretty simply based off of the category that they brought these players into, which again doesn't make much sense. Um, I would even. I mean, the top five, it's hard to distinguish between those five. Whenever Mosal is fifth on a list of anything, I think you have to assume the names that are in front of him are pretty impressive. Um, let's see here. What is the other one I wanted to say? Sung Hyo Min deserves better than seven. If they're going to give Donnarumma the eighth best keeper on the planet title because Izzy Milan are in first, then you got to give... Sun higher than seventh. I, I agree, and I think Rashford being nine is 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 ridiculous. But also, like, think of this category. We're what even category is this? Forward? Yeah, Mo Salah is on this list as a forward. Neymar is on this list as a forward. Tell me how often Mbappe. Neymar receives the ball from the wing. Mbappe. Um, it's just it's, it's just oh, this is just stupid. Um, it's, go for it. it's it's stupid. I can't believe I'm. Uh, 
I'm not even going to talk about the forwards because I want to talk about the strikers. Yeah, we'll get right into the strikers. Ten Jimenez, nine Firmino, eight Werner, seven Ciro Mobile, six Sergio Aguero, five Romelu Lukaku, four Kane, three Benzema, two Erling Holland, one Lewandowski. Go. Holland's not the best, second best striker on the planet. I get it. I get the hype. Obviously, I can't wait until he is the second best striker on the planet. He's third or fourth. Harry Kane and Chiro Immobile. I insane. The dis- especially the, Immobile. The disrespect is so loud. It is. Benzema and Holland are not better strikers than them. They're not better attackers. They're not better wing forwards. Whatever whatever position ESPN decides to make up next, a number 11 and a half, they're not better in any universe than Harry Kane or Chiro Mobley. Chiro Mobley is the most disrespected striker on the planet, and it has been for a very long time. Did he end up scoring more goals than Messi last year? I believe so. Anyone who does that or even sniffs that that's not named Mbappe or Ronaldo or Neymar, those kind of gold standard lists. Also, also just also just also just so people know that I'm being fair, Bobby Firmino is not the ninth best striker on the planet. No, he doesn't deserve to be on this if, list. If anybody deserves the title of attacker and not striker, it's Firmino. Right. So, uh, I mean, I'll, mm, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you go. That's, those are my takes. Tell me if you have any others. I just want to say something. What are the what are some of the differences between these players and the forwards? They needed to get to a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> just make a combined category with twenty. Right, or just do twenty exactly. Yeah, I don't. Know. This is it. just at this point we're picking straws. I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me on the striker page is. Not only does Benzema not even deserve to be on this list, but the fact that he's higher than Harry Kane. Romelu Lukaku, I understand maybe Sergio Aguero just purely from an injury perspective. Uh, Ciro Mobile, 36 goals in 37 league games. I mean, how on earth could you not put him even number... I mean, you can't because of Lewandowski, but like two. I could see him at two here. Mm -hmm. Easily. So Mm -hmm. it's... I actually don't don't hate Holland at two as well. I'm just gonna I don't, put it out there. I don't I don't hate it. It's just why do you hate Holland so much? Uh, well, there there are reasons I dislike. Him actually, as a good point. <laughs> I should have asked that question. We've opened Pandora's box. We've opened Pandora's box. Oh, I love I love Holland. I hope I hope he puts on you know the Liverbird one day. But he's he's not better than Harry Kane. I'm do sorry. we even want to get into the managers? I want to say something about the managers. Okay. Now, I, now, I, now we're going to get into it. I, I know. I'll let you go first. All right. Um, I'll just name the list here, uh, which I think is hilarious that we're ranking managers like this when from year to year these rankings get to 100. Had yeah. to get to 100. Couldn't think of a defensive midfielder position to put in there, but had to get the managers in. Go ahead. 10 Ancelotti, 9 Zidane, Lopetegui, 8, Simeone, 7, Bielsa, 6, Nagelsmann, 5, Giampiero Gasparini, 4, Pep Guardiola, 3, Hansi Flick, 2, Jurgen Klopp, 1. I think this top three is perfect. Uh, Pep is the third best manager in the world right now. Um, and then you have to give Flick his nod because what he did with that Byron team is almost unheard of. And obviously Jurgen Klopp, I mean, give me a break. Um, really quickly, I don't hate that this list, like the 10 people on this list I think deserve to be in here. There's probably a couple that are being left out that I think are unfairly being left out. Um, oh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, <laughs> this is so stupid. Like any sort of top manager list outside of like ranking the, the the first couple two or three or four, it's just a there's twenty people you could probably choose from and have it make sense. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Tell me when you're done. By the way, I don't want to I don't want to cut you That's off. That's it. I, I don't even want to give the manager list that much of a credit, other than I think that they nailed the the top three with Pep at three. Um, Correct. Yeah, Hansi Flick at two, and then you're. That's gonna... about the that's about the only nice thing I have to say about the list. Marce- Marcelo Bielsa and Carlo Ancelotti have no right to sniff this list. They don't deserve to be close to this list when Jose Mourinho's out there, especially. 
especially when he's out there. Nuno, I just realized, actually deserves to be on there ahead of both Angelotti and... uh, Sorry if I just took your point. No, 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 please. I wasn't even going to say Nuno. I would say Angelotti is a top 10 manager in the Premier League. I'm willing to concede that. But he is on this list, and I just want to point this out. His high point of 2020 is that he convinced James Rodriguez to come to the Premier League. A guy that Real Madrid very blatantly, not only didn't want, was willing to let him go for free. A guy that Bayern Munich didn't want. His high point was convincing him to buy in for six weeks. Out. Ah, the the nerve. The nerve. I would put Ralph Hasenhutl over Ancelotti on this oh, list. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would too. I would put Brendan Rodgers on this list ahead of... What right. are we doing? Let's, let's not get too excited there, Jared. Leicester, Leicester almost finished top four, and Everton finished tw- like 12th last year. I know. I, I just love <laughs> to slander Brendan Rodgers. So do I. Trust me. Nobody loves to slander Brendan Rodgers more than me. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> I mean, that's the list. It's it's a pretty absurd one. And to be fair, like these things aren't easy. Like we're not gonna sit here and be like, we could have done a better one. Which actually, I'm gonna take that back. Yeah, we 100% could have done a better list. But like, this is also taken from a group of people, um, and that's just kind of how stupid people work. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of stupid people in high places. Very smart people who say very dumb things. Yes. Yes, and I mean, we should have expected to get mad after reading a stupid ESPN, the soccer top 100 list, and we shouldn't have been surprised when we did, yet both of us were quite shocked. Um, We move on to that quickly. Uh, Do or die for United Tuesday, plain and simple. They've got to win here, Um, right? Yep. They have to win. Do or die for Real Madrid as well. That whole group is still alive. It's a do or die for everyone involved in that group. Yeah. I'm going to see what other ones are there in terms of big group implications for big well, teams. The, well, I think that's it, right? Well, the United tie is must-win, assuming PSG beat Istanbul. Right. Let's, Which is an yeah. interesting assumption, considering that, like... Or if they, or if they draw. Know. Or, or if, if they, they draw. draw. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be such a great game. Um, Barca-Juve are clear... Ooh, the, the Lazio and Dortmund. I mean, Dortmund are clear as you can be almost in a way. I don't see that goal differential overturning. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that group kind of turns out. Uh, those are the early games, considering that they all have to be played at the same time within the group. So the one is game. One of those games is being played in Zenit in um, Russia. Um, any other profile situations here? I mean, mostly everything is jockeying for who's going to win the groups and who's not from what i can see uh well atletico actually is not 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 fully alive uh yet i would say they have to go to salzburg and get some points there and they should be good uh, and like i said group b gladbach is in first and Shakhtar Donetsk is in second and real madrid i think this is the just the biggest one i think real madrid they have to beat gladbach um there's no really two ways about it um, because they could be jumped by both Shakhtar or Inter. They have to get three points here. Um, so we'll, we'll have to monitor that. Other than that, like I said, mostly everyone's jockeying for positions. Yeah. And uh, you suck at gambling. I suck at gambling. Someone please come take my wallet away. Please. You did the old the old uh, almost impossible week, right? I hit, the, I hit the golden sombrero of missing every Champions League bet I made. It was... It was astonishing. The only one I got right was part of a parlay that lost. <laughs> if this if this podcast had a budget, we would actually give you something. We should like buy you something. I would I'm, I'm going to start releasing my Champions League picks and everyone just start fading me. <laughs> Whoa, are you trying to cut my style? Yeah. What if we to... would you go toe to toe with me for like a season or like a month? I would do that. Let's do it. I would do that for sure. Why not? No? Yeah. Knowing there's parody, by, the way, by the way, out of nowhere, there's a report that Juventus want uh, D- Douglas Louise. <laughs> Whatever that means. 
Uh, I like uh, when we gave him up. I was like, whatever. He's Douglas Louise, and I saw him kind of crush it at Villa. I was like, you know what? This is a guy we probably could have used. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, but it is what it is. All right, brother. Listen, it's great to be back. We just hit you guys with a much longer pod than we thought, but <laughs> we usually each other. We like, stop yeah, saying that at the end of every episode. Ten <laughs> fifteen. It's ten forty-five. Um, but anyway, uh, Jared, final thoughts. Oh, I'm good, man. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. We'll see you guys Friday. Stay kicking it. Peace.